I was always very hands-on and just right alongside of, you know, my mom and doing everything. And she would can a ton and we butchered chickens and processed meat. And, you know, so a lot of that comes from my childhood, but of course, um, I also have to do my fair share of research, but um, I also think that, you know, really anybody can do anything these days. You know, there's so much information out there and I can go to, you know, five different platforms and watch a million different videos of different people doing the same thing, you know? So um, if you really want to learn to do something these days, you, you just, if there's really no, no reason that you can't, you know, I, so I think that's why like, I get so excited to try new things because it's like, there's just a world of possibilities out there, you know, and it's all right there at your fingertips. So I'm like, you might as well take advantage of it. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a host and a homestead, thinking this was the life, all that there'd be. After our firstborn, you had to stay home. That's when the work got in the way for me. Well, I started farm hop life. You'll come to your farm to help and to truck and an RV send us a message and there will be this is the farm hop life podcast a traveling homestead family I'm Matt DeRozier tonight my guest is Jess of living tiny homestead on TikTok where she promotes living simply and within your means just ditching the idea of needing expensive things to be happy how's it going tonight Oh, great. Wonderful. I have kind of the dream life, so nothing that I can complain about out here. Besides the cold front that's coming in, give me a minute to complain about that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get stressed about anything? Um, honestly, my husband being on the road so much is incredibly stressful. Um, homeschooling four kids and you know, doing the off-grid thing, you know, dishes outside and um, the outhouse. And it's just, it is a lot, but um, all working towards that end goal, you know. So I'm just kind of doing my part for now until he can be home more. Sure. Um, that's interesting that you bring up what he does for work now, because uh, that's kind of leads into like the setup. So little... A little bit of background on you. You said that you both lost your jobs to COVID and you had to, or you chose to downsize like dramatically. So um, what, what did you guys do for work prior? So we were actually both in the restaurant industry. Um, we mm. met at, at a Chili's uh, 12 or gosh, 12, 12 years ago. And, uh, yeah, he had actually been at that Chili's for 22 years and I had been there for almost 10 years and it just overnight, our jobs were just gone. 
It was the craziest thing. Dang. So, yeah. So we actually, what had started was that we had come to visit my mom's because we had never had time off work. And since we were without jobs, we, we came out to visit and it kind of just presented itself as an opportunity, which she had been offering for us to move out here for years. She wanted us out here. So um, when we both lost our jobs and, you know, we had been, my husband had been renting that house for 15 years. And so he was, you know, real, on really good terms with the landlord and didn't want him to lose money. And, you know, so when we knew we wouldn't be able to pay rent and we didn't know for how long, you know, that it was just, we have no idea when you guys will be back, you know? So um, we wanted to do right by him as well. So it it just ended up being a good opportunity to to kind of dive into something that we have really wanted to do for a long time anyway. Gotcha. So you guys were renting a house and, I mean, the future was completely unknown, makes sense. And so you ended up moving to your mom's property? Yeah, it. so we had always wanted to do something similar, but, you know, we were kind of comfortable with our jobs there. We didn't make great money and we're kind of with all our bills, we're just kind of scraping by. But, you know, when you've been in a place that long, um, it's kind of holding us there and, really at that point we couldn't afford it anyway. So when we lost our jobs and we knew that the unemployment was going to be coming in and that stimulus was going to be coming in, we decided to, you know, really put it to good use to totally just downsize and totally change how we were living. And so we, we haven't even told anybody listening what the downsize is. So tell us your current living situation. So we have a 12 by 32 lofted barn shed that we have kind of um, converted into a little tiny house. Still off grid for the most part, we have electricity, but that is it. Other than that, we've got an outside sink and a well and an outhouse and a building that will be a bathhouse, um, hopefully before too long. So that'll be exciting. Um, But yeah, we're just kind of, saving and adding on as we can until it's done. However long that may take. That's awesome. So how long between, so I've had tiny, I've had someone that lived in a tiny house or lives in a tiny house on before, but never a shed and never like a really like, I wouldn't even call it a shed anymore. It's just like a, it's just like a home now. for sure. Right. Um, yeah. So from the time you gave up renting the house, how long until you guys did the shed thing? Oh, immediately. So we were here in Tennessee and went to just look at the sheds because we had driven by like a roadside place. And um, we ended up finding out that it would only be like $350 to get the thing in our name and get it put on the land. And that was really what we needed was a roof, you know, because, you know, camping, hello, we love it. Uh, It was warm. So that was the most important thing was just, you know, my mom let us stay here for a couple of weeks while we waited for the shed to get delivered. But um, for the most part, it was like immediately we were 
we were in that shed. So I would say it was probably a couple days after they moved it in that we were like fully living in it. Nice. So it's really the turnaround is only like a couple of weeks then from the house to the shed. It, it was, yeah, I would say, so I would say what really, because to me, those sheds as they are, are not really livable as far as like the second story loft is so small. Yeah, it's very bare bones know. for sure. Yeah. Right. So really what made the difference was my husband raising the roof up. I don't know if you saw, like he did the addition yeah. upstairs, just like a four foot room. It makes it to where you can stand up and move around. And so to me, that was what made it more like a house and less like a shed. And that took him probably, he did it by himself. That took him probably two or three weeks after the shed was delivered. And it was like, we were living in it and the roof was totally off some nights. And, you know, we definitely got rained on and had a good laugh about that. And so it's just been... (laughs) There's been, it's just been, you know, the best adventure anybody could, could want, you know, it's been very cool. I suppose after all of that, uh, not a whole lot would get you stressed after, after losing your jobs and then giving up the house you've been in for the last 15 years. And then now this and getting rained on and (laughs) it was, it was whatever. It's all good such a whirlwind like it's you you hear about people just picking up and doing it and it was like we decided we were going to do it and then like a couple weeks later we did it it was it was crazy that's pretty great man that's um i'm just trying to think it's like you you've done uh you've done tours you've done quite a few tours of your of your place um Mm -hmm. we'll have we'll definitely have links to that uh, down below but so did you guys do any gardening or any homestead stuff at your house prior like prior to so yeah so I I was raised on a farm my entire life like oh, it, cool. it's something that's always kind of just been in my blood you know I grew up like on on an actual farm you know horses and cows and and then when I got a little older we had you know, more of a homestead, but with, you know, pigs and goats and chickens. And my mom did just had the most magnificent, magnificent garden that you've ever seen. You know, like we had just the most beautiful farm, little farm growing up. It was perfect. And then um, after high school, kind of got out of the country and found myself stuck in the city and then had a good reason to be stuck there because I met my husband and, and luckily, you know, that was something that he kind of wanted to do as well. So um, I knew that I would get back to it someday. And um, even there where we were in the city, we had a pretty good sized garden, you know, so we, we did what we could there where we were, but it was definitely not, uh, not at all what we really wanted to do. Sure. And so what, what you have going on now is what you want to be doing that that that's where you want it to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just both feel like it's, it's most natural for us to to be kind of in the homestead setting and growing more of our own food and kind of living, living a more natural lifestyle. And we just kind of want to get back to, to the root root of things, you know? Right. So. Yeah. Go back to basics. 
Yeah, absolutely. What does your husband do now for work? He's a truck driver. He's an over-the-road driver. So he's he's only home four days a month. It's rough right now. But um, hope, we're hoping to get him home within the next couple of years. So finish getting everything paid off and get the house done. And then hopefully he can spend some time at home with us. Right. So. Yeah, that would be... Man, I can't imagine only being home four days a month. Like, I don't even like it when I only get to see my kids, like, maybe two hours a day. Like, this sucks. So Yeah, yeah. No, I hate it. And it's really hard for him. But, uh, you know, it's just, I think it's just the fastest way to get to the end goal. You know, we're trying to speed it up as much as we can. And as hard as it is for me, I try to remind myself that, you know, I at least get to be here with the kids and not missing things. And, you know, he's, he's got the real tough gig out there. So I'm definitely grateful for that. He's out there busting his, busting his booty for us. Yeah. It's, that's tough. That's, that's gotta be a hard thing for a dad. Like I, I just can't imagine it. Um, I actually, I had a job interview a couple of weeks ago. And it would have taken me away from the home more, but there was the possibility of being like bringing my family with. And I'm actually glad I didn't get it because it would have taken me like taken me away. And yeah, it would have been like a really, really nice boost in, uh, in pay and all these other benefits. But the time, the time away from my kids, um, I mean, mine are little, like, two and a half and four, almost five months old. So, I mean, they're, Oh yeah. Yeah. They're very, they're very you little. Got baby babies. <laughs> yes, I do. I do have little babies. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, we're very much like, especially me, if it were up to me, like he could quit the job today and I'd be perfectly happy. You know, we could, <laughs> we could live in a tent and I'd be good. Um, but, um, really it's what it's about is you know yeah he's away a lot more now but even if he went back to the normal schedule you know being home every weekend he would have to do that for years more whereas if he does this for just a short amount of time then we can have him home way more than either scenario you know so it's suffering a little bit now to have a big reward you know here and hopefully under two years. So light at the end of the tunnel, if everything goes how we planned. Gotcha. Um, Does that also relate to your other thing that you do? Your, um, you being a surrogate? Mm, This is is not me like trying to, you know, um, that comes off like, gotcha. No, but like, uh, no, not um, at all. No, that's not how I took it at all. I'm just trying to think of how to articulate. Uh, Honestly, no, because I started the surrogacy journey before this was even like close. Like I thought I started Arkansas was where we used to live. I started very first started the surrogacy journey, probably seven years ago and yeah but living in arkansas like the laws there are just not surrogacy friendly so i was i've never talked to anybody that's been a surrogate so i'm super curious about the whole like all of it 
So it's basically like the state makes it very messy for the the actual parents of the baby because in that state, whoever births births the child, no matter you know whose genetic baby it is, is the legal parent of that child. So it can be messy in the courts trying to like actually adopt because it has to be a full adoption um there yeah so um and actually it's actually illegal to be paid for surrogacy in some states here and a lot of countries you can't you can do it for free but you can't be paid for it at all Hmm. so it's very it's yeah yeah it's different everywhere but uh some states are definitely more surrogacy friendly so when i moved here to tennessee i decided to kind of try the process again here in Tennessee and ended up um, just finding the most perfect couple. And uh, we actually, I met them in 2020, uh, matched with them in like a surrogacy group on Facebook. And we started the whole process and then COVID happened uh, and they had to basically stop. And I, for me, I thought that was kind of just the end of my journey. I was at the point where I was like, if it doesn't work out this time, it was probably just not in the cards. Sure. Well, when it didn't work out with them, I kind of just called that good, but we kind of stayed friends and got to know each other. And then uh, last year she reached out again and said they were ready and that there's nobody else that they would want. And, and it was hmm. kind of an easy Honestly, if it was anybody else, I probably would have said no. But for them, I was like, all right, definitely. You know, sure. by then, I just, I, I wanted it for them so bad because I, you know, I felt like she, at least the mom, I don't, I don't speak to the, to the dad directly, but um, sure. I always kept touch with the intended mom and we became friends. And so um, it was, it was an easy decision for me. So how did you, get into being like even wanting to be a surrogate what you said seven years ago do you just like like being pregnant like you just like is it easy for you or because yeah, exactly. not fun day yeah. one not fun yeah exactly I just I um I loved it I love being pregnant and it sounds crazy but but like I had home births with my last two and so like I loved the whole childbirth experience and thought it was so empowering but after my last one you know before I had my fourth I probably would have had at least one more um but then I had my fourth bless his heart and I think he successfully birth controlled me for the rest of my life so (laughs) (laughs) so I figure um you know I get to experience the pregnancy part and and not have to deal with the baby after so and it's great that we have become friends because I know that I'll get to you know watch that baby grow and you know maybe be be a distant auntie or something you know so um so I'm sorry if I if I missed it have you been a surrogate before this couple or this is the one and only no this is the only so i had started the process with an agency but never matched um so this is the first couple that i've actually like started and gone through the process with and you found them on your own through the facebook group Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's a group involved 
No, I decided to not use an agency because they charge the intended parents so much money. Like it's highway robbery. And in, in my opinion, like it's, sure. and they just don't, they don't do much. So for me, they're already having to pay so much, you know, for, for embryos and transfers and traveling and all of that stuff, you know, plus paying me. I thought if I could, you know, find somebody that I felt comfortable with and uh, could save them the money, then I definitely wanted to go that route. So, and it worked out great because it has just, um, she's very knowledgeable about the process. So I haven't had to do anything and she's covered every little thing and everything's just taken care of. So it's been, it's been amazing. Um, do you feel comfortable giving people an update on uh, the process so far? Yeah, so um, we had our first embryo transfer attempt back in May, and that failed. So we went back, um, I went back to Hawaii for another attempt um, back in the beginning of October. And unfortunately, that pregnancy did not progress either. So um, they are now I think they're going to have some new embryos made and we do plan on trying one more time. Um, I really would try however many times they want me to try, but I also, you know, if the third, if the third attempt doesn't take, I would understand them, you know, wanting to find somebody else or, you know, just, you know, seeing if there's a, another option they want to pursue. So um, it's all legal and contracted. And so, um, but I, I'm kind of leaving it up to her, you know, if she decides she wants to try more than we're contracted to, then, then I definitely will. Sure. Sure. That's, that's a hard thing. Um, what, I mean, it's, I'm sure there's a lot of, I mean, a large variety of reasons, but any, any guesses why the uh, embryo failed the last two times? So everybody is pretty sure and has been very reassuring that it's most likely just not strong embryos. Um, they're untested embryos, which means they did not undergo like the testing to ensure that they were like genetically strong that a lot of people do have done. Um, so everything they said looks just perfect on my, my end. So like the, my fertility doctor there in Hawaii told me even before that last transfer, she said, um, I don't want you to take it personally. If this, if this doesn't, doesn't take, because, um, we have a suspicion that the embryos just might, might not be as strong as we want. So, um, and the fact that at least one of them did implant, but just didn't grow like it was supposed to makes me think that that was most likely just something genetically not quite right in there. Um, usually is the case for a chemical pregnancy and surrogacy. Do you think they're going to have the embryos tested the next time or? I'm not sure. Honestly, um, I don't know. And honestly, like I wasn't even sure of their reasoning for not having them tested last time. Like I didn't really ask. Um, so I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm, I'm just, She's so, she's so on top of everything, you know, so I just kind of, you know, am, am there when I need to be there and, you know, go to my appointments and I'm still learning, like I'm asking questions constantly and thank goodness sure. she knows what's up because like, you know, I'm still very much learning. It's, it's very complicated. 
<laughs> I bet. I bet. I bet they must love your your lifestyle. Just um, if once you guys like met and you guys kind of like kind of did almost like a first date kind of thing, like oh, yeah. what it is like you do and blah blah blah. And, like, oh, yeah, you know, we grow a bunch of our own food and we live out in the yeah. woods. And like, what? Really? That's awesome. We get to have our baby, like, grow in, like, this super healthy, healthy right. environment. Yeah. That was actually one thing that really, really drew me to them. I actually talked to her, gosh, when I – so how it works in that group is if you're a surrogate, like, looking to match with somebody, you can just post, like, a little bit about yourself and – um I posted some of like my pictures for my home births and stuff. And I ended up having probably 20 or more couples reach out to me and talked with each of them for a while. And she was the very first person that I had talked to. And I ended up just, you know, she, I really clicked with her. And that was one reason why was that not a lot of people are, are super comfortable with, you know, that, off-grid kind of lifestyle you know because a lot of people just aren't educated on it you know like um I don't know if you see any of the comments I get it's proof that a lot of people are not not educated on it I get a lot of really hateful and and just ignorant comments and so about being um, off-grid oh yeah being off-grid and pregnant um well I haven't had anything about being off-grid and pregnant but just in general um, you know, people think that it's like dangerous to use a compost toilet and it's, it's ridiculous. People are just very uneducated and I feel like that's, you know, by design, but that, you know, that's a whole nother story, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> she was always very, very appreciative and, and really sees the value in, in what we're doing. So that was one of the things that really, really drew me to her and she rides horses. So. That's like, you know, a big thing too. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds so silly, but I'm a horse girl at heart. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were, there was something off about you. I just knew it. Oh, that was, that must be it. (laughs) Um, Last question about the surrogacy. Would you, let's say it was successful and you went all the way to term. Would you deliver in Tennessee or Hawaii? I would actually have to deliver in Hawaii. So um, it's kind of a unique situation where um, if we do get that far, I will actually probably have to spend like six weeks or so in Hawaii towards the end of the pregnancy. Yeah. So um, that will be interesting, you know, with the homestead and I'll have to, my husband will have to take some time off work and, you know, so we'll, we'll adjust and, and all of that. But, yeah, that's the plan. So I'll have to fly out um, probably a few weeks before the due date and and play it by ear. So it'll be wild. <laughs> Hope the next one takes. I really do. I really do too. I really do too. I just um, don't know what else I can do at this point. You know, it's a weird, it's a very weird feeling, you know, um, because obviously I have four kids, so I've never had had any experience with having a hard time getting pregnant, you know, so, and people don't, when people talk about surrogacy, you don't hear about the failed transfers, you know, like you Mm -hmm. see these, the happy, emotional, like telling them and, you know, handing the baby over after the delivery, 
you don't hear about, you know, the surrogates that normally it's very normal for them not to take on the first and pretty common even on the second time, you know, so it's, it's a lot tougher and more kind of finicky process than people think. And it's, it is not easy. Like it, it pays pretty good, but there's a reason for that. And like I mentioned earlier, some places you can't be paid for it. I, I personally probably would not be able to do it for free off, especially after going through a couple of cycles. Like it is, it's work, it's work. And it's like, I'm still so sore from all of those shots. And it's been weeks since I stopped those shots. Like, even just walking around, like it's, it's, I'm still just in pain. Like people don't realize, you know, what right. a toll it really takes. It really takes a toll. So, and I'm just now feeling kind of normal from the hormones leaving my body. And, and it's like, it's a big thing. So I could never, I might have considered it before going through it. Um, but even after that first cycle, I was like, I could never, I cannot ever do it for free. It's a lot. That's a good point. Um, I guess I, I mean, obviously I, I haven't talked to anybody that's been a surrogate, so I wouldn't right. have thought about um, all the work that you just don't hear about all the, um, I mean, all the extras, I mean, just being regular pregnant, uh, all the prenatals and appointments and just, just all yeah. of that. So. Yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, supplements and, and prescriptions, and I'm talking like 20 pills a day that you like have to take on time, like it's, and, you know, two shots a day. It's, you know, you're running out of areas that aren't big, huge bruises, like on your hips. And like, it's, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. There's, there's a reason um, surrogates get paid most of the time, because it is, it's a full on body bodily sacrifice you know it's it's a lot it sounds like it just like you're you're basically just like punishing yourself every day it's it really, like yeah, it really like, is but man you hate needles here you go you hate taking a yeah. bunch of pills here you go yep. you hate yeah oh. exactly but man i just i want it for them so bad so i'm like you know, in my gut, I'm like dreading having to do it again. Like I cried because I'm just like, I wanted this to be my last round of shots and meds and like all of the things like I was just so like, it's exhausting. So um, just really hoping to have a lot better luck next time. Let's hope. Yeah. Um, so the food that you eat to feed yourself and your family and uh, eventually another baby. Um, <laughs> what motivates you to grow your own food? Oh gosh, the fact that mm, most of our food that's available in stores is poison. Uh, it's just once you're really educated on, you know, the fact that there's thousands of ingredients in our food and in our skincare products and in our shampoos and soaps and laundry detergents that are literally banned in other countries because they're absolutely proven to cause cancer, cancer and all of these things, you know? So it's just like, when you realize that, you know, the FDA is putting that stuff on the shelves, knowing that it's killing us, 
but also knowing that they're, you know, in bed with big pharma. So they're basically creating customers, you know? So it's like, I don't want to see that stuff to my family. I'd much rather have, you know, at least some control over, you know, and, and I'm not so naive to think that we'll never have to buy stuff from the store. I'm sure we'll, we will always have to buy some things from the store, but if we can cut most of that uh, toxic stuff out, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. So we're not where we want to be yet, but slowly, like that's where we want to be, you know, cause you just can't deny like the rising cancer rates and mental health and, you know, autoimmune disorders and chronic illnesses and allergies. Like it's just the list goes on and on, you know, and it's just, it just doesn't add up, you know, we're, we're supposedly supposed to have one of the greatest medical systems in the world. And yet we're one of the most unhealthy populations of people ever, you know, so they walk like a duck and talk like a duck. So I think it's just, you almost have to these days be really aware of everything, you know, so there's not a lot of food left in the food, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's all pumped full of whatever and not, not a whole lot of nutrients in there. Yeah, exactly. One thing that's super easy to explain to people, like sh- like show them, is is strawberries. Everyone loves strawberries. I don't know anybody that really doesn't love a strawberry. And like, just look at the tops of strawberries. Like, why are they white at the store versus you no know, white when you grow them in your garden? And like, when you cut them in half, well, it's because they, from what I've seen or heard, like they wrap them in nitrogen or some. They treat them with nitrogen. Uh, so they pick them white and then they nitrogen treat them on the way to the grocery store so that they ripen by the time they get to the store, essentially. And so that's why they basically look like trash when you cut them open yeah. and eat them in comparison to homegrown strawberries. Yeah. Can't even have real strawberries. Dang it. Yeah. No, it's the same though. If it's the same with meat from the store versus mm-hmm. like homegrown meat, the difference and you know, like we've butchered, chickens last year and it's just like it, it's totally different you know what kind of stuff are you uh are you doing right now so like you know what kind of garden do you have do you make anything inside the home like soap or bread and do you have any other livestock so um garden season's kind of winded down and i had a lot of plans for like planning a lot of fall things but then that trip to Hawaii and the transfer kind of happened and you have to take it easy for a few weeks after that so I couldn't do a lot of like bending and gardening and shoveling and things so um that fall garden I wanted to plant kind of had to go by the wayside um so not not a lot to do right now as far as growing things so I have been shifting a lot more towards uh, baking and bread making. And um, I love baking and making pretty yummy things. So um, kind of dabbling in making cakes too, um, decorating, you know. So um, I crochet a lot in the winter when there's not as much to do outside. So I've got a few little things that I like to kind of kind of dabble in when I can't be outside in the garden. Um, it's not, not preferred. I definitely think would rather have the warm weather that I can be, be outside doing things, but 
if I have to. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. The warm weather is better. Even even cool weather is fine. Um, I forgot to, or I, I completely neglected, neglected the crap out of my garden uh, this year. I mean, every little thing uh, I should have done, I basically didn't do. <laughs> and so right now, um, my tomatoes are still outside with snow on them. that's so funny so uh, what are you gonna do i actually picked a couple of red tomatoes yesterday i couldn't believe it like we got it got a little bit cold for us but then it's been we've been back up into the 80s so i've got probably 20 jalapenos on the plant and tomatoes still turning red i can't believe it that's gonna be over though because we're like it's supposed to get cold now but that's funny. I, I, I'm just imagining your tomatoes covered in snow. They're not faring well, I bet, out there. <laughs> probably, probably not. Um, I, should, I should go. Uh, op- so it, I got like this funky greenhouse cover thingy that I built. It was just like a, like a prototype that I came up with. To base, instead of like fencing the deer out of the garden, I fenced the garden in more or less and then have like mm-hmm. Um, like I bought like greenhouse plastic to cover it. So it would kind of hold more heat in like when we were starting to get cooler weather, not necessarily freezing temperatures right? because it's really just not that sealed up and whatnot. But, um, at the very least it's supposed to keep the snow off, but then we got like 70 mile an hour winds out of nowhere and kind of, kind of shredded it. <laughs> so the snow came in and got the, got the tomatoes, but. I don't know. I'm curious what's out there. I'll just give them to the chickens. Right. You said Montana, right? You're in Montana. Yep. Western Montana. Yep. Is it like Montana, like I'm used to seeing, like it looks like a calendar, like does it look real? Is it like insanely gorgeous there? It's pretty great. Yeah. Off the, off the deck, like the, the sun rises or sorry, the sun sets behind the mountains where we are. And so like, it just sends like these, golden beams of like just golden rays out from behind the mountains and just like lights up the sky it's pretty pretty great crazy i follow a girl that lives and i don't know what part um alpine soul but that's what all her videos are what i think of when i hear montana because it's like i watch her videos and it just i refuse to believe that it's real until i go see it in person because like a deer walks up to her like in the snow and I'm like, I refuse. I need to go. I've got to see it in person because I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. But yeah, her stuff is like exactly what I think of what I I think Montana. So in your, in your notes here, you have down water glassing. Uh, So uh, our, our mutual friend, Jeremy uh, on TikTok, the, uh, his name is Dewey like donuts. Yes. <laughs> we, we, talk, we talked about water glassing eggs and I've, I've heard that if you water glass eggs, they should store for a long time. And, um, he has his eggs. He tried one that was like 18 months old or he cracked it or something like that. And it was like rancid. So is there, is that too long? Is 18 months too long? Are they supposed to only go for like a year or what's the scoop there? 
So some people say that they can last like 18 months up to like even 24 months, but there's a lot, there's kind of a lot of factors that can play into it. You know, he may have had like one egg that had like a microscopic crack in it that he didn't see, you know, that, that can ruin the entire jar. Um, he could have just bumped it or moved it a little bit too hard. The shells get super weak as they sit. So um, that could have caused a crack that made made them go rancid. You know, there's um, could have been some dirt or something on one of the eggshells that he didn't see. There's a lot of things that, um, okay. you know, can kind of kind of it's finicky if you're not super careful about, um, you know, using fresh eggs that are super clean and not cracked. You know, if anything kind of gets by you. I actually have a jar um, that I just noticed has one that that cracked and I think that it just um probably had a crack in it before I even put it put it in and I just didn't see it so um normally yes um I actually that's why I haven't thrown the jar out yet because that one is at the bottom of the jar so I'm going to test some of the ones at the top to see see if like they still look fine so um I'm gonna see (laughs) <laughs> but theoretically, yes, if everything, you know, is aligned perfectly and nothing in there, you know, goes wrong, um, they should last for 18, even 24 months if you, if you get lucky. So, yeah, nice. he must have something, something off. Um, so you have chickens then as well? Yeah, I have chickens and ducks. Just uh, laying hens or did meat birds last year? Uh, so I did not actually intentionally do meat birds, but I am going to next year because I actually have done them before. So I'm pretty familiar with the process. Um, so I got a bunch of straight run ticks from Tractor Supply and a few of them ended up being roosters. And, um, I had no qualms with letting them stay. Like I was going to let them stay, but my, um, oldest rooster is a little bit crippled and (laughs) they were being mean to him. So they went to the freezer camp. I, um, put them, put them in some soup. So, um, nobody messes with Buckbeak. If you, if everybody's nice to Buckbeak, they can stay around, but he's, he's grandfathered in. So it's fine. (laughs) What are some things that he that you've tried that have worked well? I love canning. Um, I'm actually pretty good at hatching as well. I have um, hatched and butchered some of our ducks, um, and I had a pretty great success rate with that. Um, I love jams and jellies. You can't go wrong there. Um, gosh. Honestly, and I don't mean to say this like to sound cocky, but I have not tried a lot that failed because like I've tried a lot that failed once, but I always keep trying until, you know, until it doesn't fail. So um, overall, I haven't failed on a lot, you know, like I've had jellies that don't set, but, you know, I just try again and figure out what was wrong, you know, stuff like that, you know, nothing that that I would really call a failure yet but we're still early in the game so i know that that's going to come so 
catch up with me a little down the road and I bet I bet I'll have something to add to that list. <laughs> I was gonna ask if is like is it beginner's luck or you've done a bunch of research and so you know how to do these things well in advance or what's your what's your tips? I think that it's a mix because um like I said I do have a lot of experience with some of it. Um I was always very hands-on and just right alongside of, you know, my mom and doing everything and she would can a ton and we butcher chickens and process meat. And, you know, so a lot of that comes from my childhood, but of course um, I also have to do my fair share of research. But um, I also think that, you know, really anybody can do anything these days. You know, there's so much information out there and I can go to, you know, five different platforms and watch a million different videos of different people doing the same thing, you know. So um, if you really want to learn to do something these days, you you just if there's really no no reason that you can't, you know, I so I think that's why, like, I get so excited to try new things because it's like there's just a world of possibilities out there, you know, and it's all right there at your fingertips. So I'm like, you might as well take advantage of it. What would you say has been the biggest challenge you've faced so far? Oh, man, I think it's been in our heads expecting to get to our finished product faster. Uh, we really thought that we would, you know, have our septic system in by now and our indoor bathroom done by now. Like we definitely did not expect for it to be two and a half years and still not have our inside bathroom done. But, you know, as much as getting our house done is a priority, it's also a priority for us to get debt free. You know, the biggest thing for us is to have as little money going out as possible you know, because that's going to make it so much easier for us to, to keep that money and get done what we need to get done. So, um, yeah, I think it's just been kind of adjusting our expectations, you know, and realizing that um, we've got other stuff over here, you know, from before we made our changes that we've got to deal with as well. So we have to remember that that also has to be a priority, unfortunately, until it until it's at least a lot lower, you know, and we are, we've made a lot of progress and we're getting a lot closer. So um, like I said, there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm just kind of sucking it up for now. Are you guys doing the septic and the bathroom yourselves? Uh, so the septic, we, you actually legally cannot put in your own septic here in Tennessee. So we have to get a permit. It's actually the only thing we have to have a permit for out here is the septic system. So um, we'll do that. And then we'll have to have somebody come out and put the septic in for us. But other than that, um, my husband's planning on doing it pretty much all by himself. Gotcha. Him and I, you know, I'm not a lot of help. I hold a board here and there. <laughs> so I, I'm going to be honest. He's, He's definitely the the head honcho as far as you know the building, and, you know. Yeah. Um, what's the septic system cost these days? Like fifteen grand more, twenty? Well, no. When we were looking into it, we got a quote. 
um, from a guy that said that most likely out here it would be anywhere from like eight to 15. Okay. Uh, so we're hoping to be more on the eight, <laughs> eight end, but you know, you just never, you never know until they come out and do it. It was the same way with the well, you know, they say the same thing with the well, it could be six grand, could be 20 grand, you know? So, and it definitely ended up, it was a little bit more than we had planned on, but it was not as bad as it could have been. So. What was the price per foot when you put your well in? I can't remember. I wish I could remember. It's been like two years ago. I think I want to say total we ended up paying like eight grand for it. So I'm not sure how deep it ended up being or whatever, but we have water. That's all that matters. That was our first big, big investment. We wanted to be sure that we had water there. So makes sense. Yeah. When we put our well in two, almost three years ago, I think now, um, it was about 40 bucks a foot and we had to go 325 feet deep. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so whatever that math is a lot. Okay. Now it's, yeah. um, I think it's close to $80 a foot now out here. $80 a foot for <laughs> somewhere between eight, uh, 70 and 80. I think, I think, I think 80 was the highest I've heard so far, yeah. but well, better, better fit gold too. I mean, I want gold flex okay. in my water for 80 bucks a foot. Best I can do is a lot of iron. So. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a lot of filters. Uh, that's, yeah. that's what's making a bunch of noise behind me is, um, is the room behind me that has all the filters and stuff in it. But yeah, when we first turned on our hydrant, like it was like brown. Water. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Our water is actually really good out there. Like we do have a little bit of sediment and stuff in it, but it's it's really good water. You can't beat it. I hate all other water now. <laughs> yeah, I I can't drink my parents' water in the city. It tastes terrible. Yeah, weird. It just tastes weird. <laughs> it does taste weird. It must be the fluoride. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um. <laughs> What's the best part about homesteading? Oh gosh. It just it's like and it's I was thinking about this today. It's so funny because it's very hard but it feels very normal, like natural. So it just like my mental health feels so much better. Like it just I don't it just feels like what we are supposed to be doing. So it you know, it's gotten gotten me to be home with the kids um which i was at home very rarely before um and we're just spending so much more time outside which is probably the best thing you know when we lived in the city we rarely were outside i only saw the outside to walk like to my car to go to work and like from my car into work you know like that was my only outside time and i wonder why i was you know, had horrible mental health back then. But yeah, it's like everything's kind of just aligned for us out here. You know, it just feels, it just feels more right. Um, if you could go faster, would you? Yes, absolutely. Just to, just to move things along, just get, get it done. Well, to get it done and to get my husband home, 
like it's like I'm very we've been together for 12 years and I'm not handling the the time apart as as well I think as he is um I'm very codependent and emotional and I want him to be home so um that would definitely be my you know because it's a little little sucky in the winter sometimes but other than that like I I really don't mind our setup as it is you know my biggest motivating factor would be um just getting him home does it feel like i'm not sure if he has like a military background or not but is it kind of like he's almost like deployed yeah um he doesn't have a military background himself but i actually think about this often because um it's just like however long he stays for this stays at this job or on this schedule like i did the math today like he's only home around 60 days a year you know and i don't know how i know military has like really long since that they're out but i know a lot of them come home and they get to stay home for a while like you know he's gone for a month and it's you know on the fourth day he's gone you know so it's like it's just, he just gets home just to leave again like and it's just it's I really thought that it would get easier as time goes on but it's just as time goes on I want him to leave less <laughs> like I just I it just feels feels so wrong for him to not be here you know it just I never really understood and it sounds so corny and stupid and I can't believe I'm saying this but you know people call their spouses their other half and never truly understood that until like he left and i truly do just feel like incomplete without him here so um if i could i would do dang near anything to get him home a lot faster i think the difference is is that you actually enjoy each other's company versus people that are married that don't um yeah like i like i said uh i get to go home not to like rub it in your face or whatever I get to go home every every evening. But my, <laughs> but my my wife calls me on my lunch break every day, tells me how the morning's going, and you know what's like. Usually, it's like uh, how our two year old is acting up, and you know things like that. But um, because we enjoy each other's company, like it's just we want to be there and like involved in each other's lives. It's not like. Okay, yeah, you could do you you go do your thing, uh, and I'll be over here. Um, see you when I see you. Right. So, and that's yeah. the norm these days. Like, I feel like it is, and I, I also, I really am very proud of you know having a different kind of marriage in in this day and age. Having a marriage like like you do and like I do with my husband, like it's just so it's so rare these days you know and the fact that I found that and he's out freaking in a semi for (laughs) four weeks at a time it's like a cruel cruel universe but you know trying to put on the the happy face and he, he wouldn't be doing it if he didn't know that it was the best thing you know so I'm um, sure he's like look explored every option to be like as much as it sucks, this is this is the best. This is the yeah. best we can do for time being. 
Yeah, so. exactly. And and like I said, knowing that what he's doing out there is so hard, like I figure the least that, that I can do is like respect that decision, you know, and, and just trust that, that it is the best thing because right. he's, he's the smartest person I know. So if, if anybody knows what's best, it's definitely him. So, so um, I'll just do my part until we finally get him home. Yep. That's going to be, I, I, I wish you both luck. It's, it's tough. Um, we had we had a stay in the NICU earlier this year, and it oh, was sorry. after seven weeks. Thank you. It's oh, um, God. yeah. It by like week five or six, we were just like, and we were, you know, I, I got to see got to see my wife like every other day, but she was right. like she basically didn't leave the hospital. So, um, and we've got some friends going through it right now, and we're like. We we kind of like we didn't really tell them what to expect because there is no like prepping somebody for what you're gonna go through. You're just gonna have to go through it, and it's gonna suck. There is no oh my god. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. if, if if friends of yours had to go through a situation like you're going through now, I mean, there's no yeah. there's there's not a whole lot you can prep them for. No. It's just terrible <laughs> to be away. I actually, and it's nothing like seven weeks, but we had like an, a nine day stay in the NICU with, with my second son. And so just experiencing that seven weeks, like I couldn't, I could not even, gosh, it's just exhausting. It's even nine days was freaking exhausting. I can't even imagine how you guys were feeling. That's insane. I'm glad you guys feel like we got it easy. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I feel like we did anyways. Um, yeah, our first uh our son, he was in the NICU for 10 days. And so it was there was always a for both kids, so that my wife is high risk, and so like NICU was always like that's probably the Most how we're gonna likely, go. Yeah. And so um yeah, 10 days. We're like okay, we we went home after ten days, and then with our daughter this year, um, we thought, oh yeah, we'll go to the NICU, but it, you know, maybe a week, maybe. Boy, I'd be surprised if it would be two weeks. And then you know, she just was kind of tiny and wasn't eating, and um, this this is like a bunch of other stuff that that ended up ended up going on, but. I mean, the the like there was the the outlook was always positive. Like we're eventually we're gonna go home. We just don't know when. Whereas right. other people, Nick, you were like, I'm not sure when or if we get to go home. And that yeah, like, oh, yeah. How do you how do you even relate to those people? Like, so my yeah. cousin actually, it's been a couple of years ago, but she had like a really rare form of twins that were born like. Oh my gosh, it was like 24, 25 weeks or something like that. And they were in the NICU for like four or five months. Like they were like, it was insane. And like yeah. hours away from where she lived. And just like, how do you get through something like that? I yeah. I like to think I'm that strong of a person, but realistically, I'm probably not. Like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it's with our friends that are in it now. Um, 
like they're they're in the Ronald McDonald house as were we and they're like I I got talking to the dad and I'm like so how you doing he's like holding in there I'm like no how are you doing and he's like you know uh I'm sore from sitting in these chairs all the time you know the food <laughs> the food sucks like it's like it's loaded with carbs which is not their diet and yeah. you go so then they're going out to eat a bunch which is a huge because they're uh three four four hours maybe five hours away from their house like i don't remember specifically so yeah. they're, they're not going home um, right and so they're just spending tons of money and i'm like yeah the the ronald mcdonald house does the best they can and it, they just make it like tolerable not necessarily comfortable. Right. but like mm -hmm. what else are they gonna do like they're they don't have an unlimited budget so yeah yeah, for sure. That's my cousin actually stayed at the Ronald McDonald house too. So they're, I mean, they, they do great things, but I've also heard exactly like you say, it's just very like, you know, basic, like basically just the best they can do. So it's great that you guys had that option though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, we're only like 45 minutes away. So like my wife would, which we were, I can't remember if it's like a time thing or a, miles thing i think it's a miles thing um so like under if you're under a certain amount you you're not eligible to stay there right we were over that limit and so she got to stay there and i would stay like every other night or something like that while still working and and yeah it was it was kind of a messed up situation but i mean again we compared to a lot of people we had it very very easy but it still sucks. So right, yeah, no, that doesn't make it any easier for you. That's like, yeah, no, it it does not make it any easier to know that other people had it harder. It's still your your hardness is very valid. <laughs> yeah, yep. So it's it's kind of like what you guys are going through. So I hope it. I hope you find ways to make it faster. Just <laughs> accelerate Thanks, that timeline. Too we're Get we're just out of it i know me too we're just we're trucking along you know doing nice. everything we can so did you did you mean to make that pun i did so, not <laughs> i did not but as soon as you said that i knew exactly what exactly what you were talking about that was not, <laughs> yeah always always, always. anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys should just you know, uh, put put the homestead up uh, for Airbnb and just have your husband get one of those gigantic cabs and bring the whole family with. Just yeah. Oh god, uh, that might 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 drive me crazy. <laughs> I don't know about that, but we do think we're going to um, here soon. Maybe figure something out with the kids so that I can like go on and uh, like shorter trips with him and stuff. So um, that'll be nice. Kind of help help a little bit what kind of if if you don't mind me asking what kind of situation would that be just kind of like a like a relative that's a babysitter or yeah so my mom um is right here and if we can catch her like she travels a lot for work too but a lot of oh, times gotcha. if we plan it in advance like she can she can stay home and um we've also actually got a really great neighbor that actually stayed with the kids when i went to hawaii mm. uh 
she just loves the kids and she's right down the road. So um, we do actually have a couple of options. So um, I think it would be possible eventually for me to take a week or two and go ride with them in the truck. That's awesome. That'd be yeah. fantastic. You're really nice. Yeah. Power a community. Yeah. No kidding. I'm very, um, very lucky to have at least the two of them. Wrapping up here, what would you tell people that want to get started in homesteading or tiny living or anything? Um, so mostly I would say no matter how far off you are from like the end goal, because like that's not usually sad, you know, like it's something that usually takes most people even like years of planning, but like you can start and do a lot of stuff from anywhere you know there are people doing suburban homesteading that you know are growing their own food even if they live in the city that are you know finding animals that they they're able to raise in the city even if they can't do chickens you know um most places you can do quail most places you can do rabbits because they're very quiet you know um so i think it's imperative to do what you can from where you are, you know, um, buy canned stuff and put it under your beds if, bed if you need to. Like, I think just being as self-sustainable as you can, because you never know, you know, like we lived it one day, we had two incomes and the next, we didn't know how we were going to buy groceries, you know? So it's just, um, I think it really makes us put the emphasis on being more in control you know, of, of something as important as a food source, you know, having water. We saw Mississippi go, go parts of Mississippi go down and have no water, you know, and they didn't know when it was going to be back. So it just, you know, COVID hit to me, um, made the most important message, you know, look, look how fragile this system is, you know, we didn't know if stores were still even going to be open or if there was going to be anything on the shelf, you know? And so I think to live through that and to not use my platform to, to tell people, you know, um, look what happened, you know, be sure that if something worse happens, because there's always a good chance that it will, you know, nobody's going to take care of you, but you, I think that was very much proved. Um, you know, kind of every man for himself. So I think everybody should um, do what they can from where they are just to have a little bit more uh, ability to kind of take care of themselves no matter what happens. I think that's perfectly said. Love that. Um, but yeah, I I appreciate you, uh, you being here and giving me your time. Is there anything that uh, we did touch on that you wanted to wanted to say. Oh, <clears throat> we talked about a lot of stuff. I don't. I was gonna say I don't think so. I really think we, I think we really touched on everything. You did a good job of hitting on all of the most important aspects of what we're doing. You know, I think you got it all, and I appreciate you having me on. It was fun. It was fun. We'll have to do uh, a live TikTok eventually. Jeremy's been trying yeah. to get get me for like months, and I'm like, I I want to. I just, I mean, just like everyone else, you know, uh, time limited on time. So yeah, I actually did one with him not too long ago. It was oh, it did was you? Shortly before you reached out to me, yeah, because he had told me that it was right around the time that you guys did your thing. So 
Oh, uh, yeah, okay. it was really okay. fun. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to schedule that some sometime somewhere someplace. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Maybe we can figure out how to do like a three way call with the three of us. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Well, yeah. I will have a link to your uh, TikTok account. Uh, is there any other socials, or is that the only one that you? That you're on? uh, I have the same handle on Instagram. I don't post over there as regularly. It's more for just like people to message and stuff. Um, so I would say mainly, you know, most of the good stuff is there on TikTok. All right, awesome. Sounds good, Jess. Uh, thank you again for being. Thank you so much. It was it was nice to meet you. Good to meet you too. Good luck. It was great meeting Jess and learning more about how she operates her homestead, working towards being debt-free, and producing more of her own food. And honestly, very inspirational just to sell the house and just go live in our future travel trailer. Quit trying to have your foot in both rooms. Just do it. But that's just, you know, personally where what I got out of that. Thanks for watching, everyone. Leave a comment, like, subscribe, and most importantly, share this video. You can use Fountain FM podcast player. Get paid in Satoshis just for listening. Other podcast players work too. You can find us everywhere. Visit our website, farmhoplife.com. Sign up for our email list or Telegram channel to be notified when new videos, interviews, and podcasts are available. We are on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, MeWe, and Float. Email me anytime, matt at farmhoplife.com. Go to farmhoplife.com slash 20x23 to learn more about our 20 by 23 project, where we're going to visit 20 homesteads in the year 2023. I'm always looking for new people to interview. If you want to come on to talk about homesteading, farming, food security, homeschooling, regenerative agriculture, alternative building methods, or something else, shoot me a message, farmhoplife.com slash guest, or suggest someone else to be on the show. But don't fill out the form for them. They have to do that. And go feed yourself. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a house and a homestead, thinking this was the life. All that there'd be After our firstborn You had to stay home That's when the work Got in the way for me Well I started Farm Hop Life You'll come to your farm To help and to wander Me and the family A trunk and an RV Send us a message and there we are.